And I want you to have a look at Exodus 3 and 4 shortly, but not yet. So you might want to open your Bibles and get it open so that you can make sure that what I'm saying is right. Um, But let's have a think about a few different things. Now, I, I did my own research. I'm just going to not fall off here as I step down. <clears throat> Can everybody see that? Does anybody recognise this painting? It's quite a famous painting. It's... Um, oh, hold it higher, they said. Um, it's in the Ballarat Gallery, Ballarat Art Gallery. And it's a... Will, Walter... Who's it by? Walter Withers? Is that a famous person? Wow, famous painting. So this man on the horse is apparently Stu Conkey's great-grandfather. That's cool, isn't it? Stu Conkey's great-grandfather was the one who um, was painted, droving the sheep on his horse. Apparently after this picture was painted, he then went off to the war and was in charge of horses in Egypt during the war. And when he came back, he had apparently picked up some sort of illness, um, which really did affect his life. But um, on his deathbed, he actually talked about his, his deep faith in Jesus. And then he had a son, Frankie, I think Stu said his name was, who ran the butcher in Eltham. And then Frankie had a daughter, who's Stu Conkey's mum. That's not bad, is it? Not quite as good as the ones out there. I should have done some more research, but Stu's not here, so don't tell him that I thought his story wasn't as good. But no, it is good. It is, it is very, very good. <clears throat> so the, the question that I wanted to talk about as we think about who do you think you are this morning is how can our ancestry actually affect us? They are people that we don't even know. They, like, they're actually not people that we ever actually encountered And yet when you watch these shows and when you think about your heritage and who you are, you're actually deeply moved by it. We're we're moved by, you know, people's historic, um, their heroic actions, by like quirky stories from our past, by the fact that they did something amazing, that we want to kind of sort of have some claim to the amazingness of it and go, I'm a part of that. I actually think the whole idea of belonging to a long heritage is is quite exciting and quite tantalising in our lives. Um... I remember the day I actually kind of got that concept. So I was with my family, and my family grew up um, around Timboon, Warrnambool, down the southwest coast of Victoria, and we were doing the car trip, you know, where, like, I'm wedged in the back at the middle and there's my mum and my grandma and, you know, all the various different people in the car, and we're doing the tour around, and we stop outside the Timboon cheese shop where they sell the Timboon cheese. It's quite famous cheese now. And my nan said... Yeah, so that's the house that I grew up in and there used to be a window on that back wall there which they've changed now but there used to be a window and I sat in that window with my sister Alice and I turned to my sister one day as we were looking out the window, young fella walked down the path and knocked on the front door. He was uh, looking for a neighbouring property because it was the army settlement area and she turned to her sister Alice and said, I'm going to marry that fella one day. She was 11 and she did and that was my pa and they were married for like 50 years or something like that. And I remember sitting in the car going, oh, I want, I want that to be my heritage. Um, it, you know, being adopted, I, I could, had kind of brought with me this notion of, well, I don't really belong to these people. I don't really belong to this story. But that day sitting in the car, I went, 
That's a beautiful love story. I want that to be my story. I want that to be my heritage. I want to own that. And, and there's lots of other stories, you know, as we went along that day where it kind of just really built where my mum said, oh, I remember when we used to go to the movies in that town hall. And I'm like, oh, I used to go to the movies in that town hall. You know, and we'd sit on the floor because there was no cinema. Um, and I began to actually say, I could actually own this heritage because this is mine because they're the stories I grew up on. They're the experiences that, that shaped the character that I was, um, that I was forming. I remember one of the stories that, that also really hit me, and I'll, ref, I'll refer to it later, but when I was very little, uh, my family left my dad, lots and lots of different reasons, and um, my uncle and my grandfather would always tell the story of the day they went to court and fought for me. So they went into court one day, and they tell the story that they stood either side of my mum my uncle on one side and my grandfather on the other and they went into court and they fought for full custody of me and my brother and as they walked back out of that courtroom, my uncle always tells the story that they walked out and he said, stop, stop and they put their arms around my mum and they said, and my uncle said, well, they're ours now, aren't they? And, the, you know, and off they went yeah, into the rest of our lives and I, I just think of that whole idea of I don't actually need to have been directly blood-related to this heritage, but it is mine. It is absolutely mine to the core of my being and it, and it shaped a lot of who I am and it wasn't always great and some of it is really great. And I want to think a little bit about that whole idea of being shaped. So um, I, I wonder if anybody has seen... Have I not turned it on? Oh, there we go. Has anybody seen this? Does anybody know where this is? Um, as you walk up the steps to the car park at Eastland to the um, town square, this is on one of the walls and it says, without our culture or stories, we are a tree without roots. Um, it's actually, I, I did some research, it's actually an, an African proverb and it talks about that whole, if, if you don't understand your heritage, if you don't understand where you've come from and you don't embrace those stories that, that teach moral codes and things like that, y- you're like a tree without roots. You, you're actually going to fall over or you're going to get blown around or you're actually going to end up kind of dead and hollow. And I thought that was quite a profound idea for what we want to think about today is who are you? Who am I? Who are we really? So let's jump in and have a think about where we're at so far. I'm going to go back, sorry. Over the last week, we've been looking at the topic of Moses. So last week, Troy talked about the story of Moses. And Moses was He was an Egyptian, but he wasn't really an Egyptian, and he was a Hebrew, but he actually hadn't ever lived as a Hebrew. And he was kind of in this in-between state of who is, what is my culture and who I am I really? And what was happening with the people of Israel is that they were in slavery under Pharaoh, and he was making them work very, very hard. And there was one point at which Pharaoh said, whoa, there is way too many of these Israelite people in my town. I'm going to kind of fix the problem. And so he said, every baby boy that's born, I want it drowned in the Nile. Except one mum said, no way, not on my watch, not my baby, not my Moses. And so she put her baby in the water, in the reeds. 
and that baby was actually rescued um, and actually grew up in Pharaoh's palace as a prince of Egypt. But he was actually a Hebrew baby or Israelite baby. So we we pick up the story after he's realised who he really is. He's understood his heritage, that he's actually one of the slave people, not one of the Egyptians, and he's fled out into the wilderness. Click again. And Moses has an encounter with God. So I'm going to read this bit. This is from Exodus 3, 2 to 4. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. So he was out tending his flock and he looked over. And I think that this probably happened over a long course of time. He was probably tending his flock and it was morning and he's like, oh, look, a tree on the horizon's burning. Trees burn, it happens. And then by about like morning tea, he's like, that tree is still burning. And then by lunchtime, he's like, strange that tree is still burning because it should have burned up and it should have petered out by now. And so eventually he says, this is amazing. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. He's actually had an encounter with God. So he's noticed this tree is burning and he's gone over to check it out. Then God replies, Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. God's telling him who he is. And he says, I'm not just God the creator. I'm God of the ancestors who are going to make a difference in the world. He says, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Abraham, if you go back in the narrative a fair way, Abraham was given a promise by God. He was given a promise that he'll be the father of many nations and that through his um, genealogy, through his line, God will do a mighty saving work. So he's saying, "I'm I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And he actually says it three times in these two little, little, little chapters. That's who he refers to himself as. I am the God of, of this lineage. I'm the one who made the promise with these people. And he then goes on to say, and I've got a job for you, Moses. He wants Moses to go back and to say to Pharaoh, oh, that was terrible. He wants to go back to Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, that's it, exactly. In the story, God says to Moses, hey, I want you to go back to Pharaoh and demand that he release the Israelite people from slavery. And this is what happened. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to them, they will ask me, what's his name? And what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, which was what they called God, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to him. 
This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So he's not saying, you know, I'm the awesome almighty God. He's not saying I'm the fabulous creator God. He's saying I'm the God of, of these generations through which I'm going to bring a promise because I made a promise and I'm good for it and I'm about to do another work in the step of bringing it through to reality. This is the bit that I love because... Oh, I'll go back because I don't want you to cheat. You all cheated anyway. You all read it. When I was in Egypt some time ago, Dave and I had the, the um, great opportunity of going on a bit of a, a holiday, travelling, and we went to Egypt and we went on some, like, you know, the tour of some ancient museums and things like that. And at one stage, we were standing in front of what we were told were the remains of Ramesses. And, of course, I'm a bit of a clown. So what did I do while no one was looking? I leaned down and said, let my people go! Because, you know, I just wanted to be a bit like Moses. Um, Dave kind of went, oh dear, like that. Um, But what I love is that I had not realised that actually God said something else for Moses to say that weren't the words, let my people go. This is what he said. The Lord said to Moses, when you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I've empowered you to do, but I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. I command you, let my son go so he can worship me. I reckon that's really huge because... Um, God is the creator of all. So really all nations are his children, but he's looking at the nation of Israel, the people of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that generation of people, those generations, and he's saying, they are my firstborn. They are my firstborn son. Let them go. Because they're actually just that, they're not, they're not better than any of the other nations, but they are the ones that God has bestowed his blessing on and will actually do his redeeming work in the world. Let my son go so he can worship me. <clears throat> um, his people didn't always get it right. The people of Egypt, did, sorry, the people of Israel did not always get it right. And they weren't the great solution, okay? They were part of the solution of God saying, I created the world and I'm going to bring it back to being the way I created it to be and I'm going to do it through, through my people, through the people of Israel. But he got to a point where he said, and now I'm ready for part two of my great, my great plan of bringing people back to me. And that was Jesus. Jesus came and lived and died on the cross and rose again as a great uh, opportunity for people to come back into God's family. I want to read you a really beautiful passage before I get my tree out. I want to read you this from Romans chapter 11, verse 17. He's talking about um, branches being grafted in and branches being cut off. He said, And you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. So I I brought a beautiful tree. This is a a really beautiful tree. Um, Hopefully you can see it. But down here, 
This tree actually has two branches going off one other side and these branches have been grafted in. So um, this side, I don't know which one's which. One day I will discover which one's which. One side is a lemon tree and the other side is a lime tree. It's beautiful, hey? So these two branches, someone has taken what is a really good root stock and and, and a a root system that we know is really good and strong and have come along and made an incision and grafted in a lemon tree on one side and they've grafted in a lime tree on the other. I want to have a think about the concept of grafting because that passage in Romans tells us that we have been grafted in to this family that this pa- these passages have been talking about. So in, in, uh, in grafting, I've done a bit of research. Not a gardener, not a gardener at all. Terrible gardener. But I've done some research. The reason that grafting is a good thing is because of this concept of a rootstock. So they pick a plant that they know is sturdy in its root system. Okay, So um, it will have a good, sturdy, sed- steady nutrient supply. The other thing they do is they, they, they might pick a plant based on the fact that it's got good structure. So we might actually have um, a tree that's nice and tall and we'll graft branches into it because of its size and its structure. Um, the other thing that they might do is choose one because its, it's roots are particularly possibly drought tolerant or um, tolerant to really moist areas and things like that. Or they'll choose a rootstock that's actually resistant to disease and pests. Okay. So the, the rootstock of this plant is nowhere near as good as the rootstock it's been given. And the same with this one. The, roots, the original rootstock of this plant is nowhere near as competent and capable of giving it growth uh, as, as its other one. The passage that we're talking about here in Romans says that we have been grafted in to God's story just like these plants have been grafted in here. So um, I, I, just, I love the concept, but there's a lot of things to be learned about grafting in. It's actually it's not an easy process. It's quite tricky, uh, but it can actually produce amazing things. The other passage I wanted to remind you of or to let you know of is in Ephesians 2.19. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners, but part of God's family. Again, just reinforcing the fact that God's big plan for his world is family and he's grafted us all in. In the same way, I asked Erin to share that beautiful story because every time I see Erin and Sarah together, I'm overwhelmed by the fact that I actually see God's choice of loving me when I see these two guys. When I see these two, wherever it is that they are, didn't she do a beautiful job? It was amazing sharing that story. But actually, sharing the story is nothing. They're actually living that story and it's beautiful. And it reminds me all the time of the fact that God actually came and chose me and said, I want to graft you in to the best rootstock you've ever been grafted into. I want to give you the best nutrient supply, the best chance of survival, the strongest structure, the best disease resistance. And he's grafted me in to that story, which I think is just amazing. Um, And he's chosen it. It's not something that he had to do. He chose that for me. So I've got some really pretty pictures here. 
That's a gorgeous one. Can you all see that if I get out of the way? Um, oh, hang on. Let's go back. That one. The whole idea of being grafted in to God's family, being brought in and, and made a part of God's family, it's an ancient rootstock. It is an ancient, ancient, ancient of days. He's grafting us in to the family that existed from the very beginning of time. And that's amazing. This one here is uh, it's a brand new graft. And what I wanted to tell you is that grafts are very fragile. They're very, very fragile. Um, the, the nutrients that come up from the rootstock and up into the plant, they, they develop those um, pathways beautifully, but that um, the outer graft, that outer connection, it's, it's, it's got a weakness to it and we have to be very, very careful and so I wanted to think for a moment about those people who are here who maybe go, I, I have never thought of being grafted into God's family. I've just been rocking along in my life, doing my own thing, and never, never had an inkling of an understanding that I could actually be a part of God's family and God's purpose and God's um, heritage and own that as my own. Um, and we need to be really gentle and careful with, with that, those early days of connecting you in to this family and this connection but it's good and as much as I said earlier that whole idea of having those great stories those anecdotes those things that we want that we love that's that love story of my grandparents and how much I wanted to own it as my own it is my own and every story that we hear of what God did for his chosen people his his beloved nation of Israel they become ours they become ours Um, there is plenty of room on this tree. It would be a shame if we said, sorry, the house is full, wouldn't it? It would be an absolute shame if we said the good graft that we have received into this amazing rootstock that that, that replenishes us daily, it would be a shame if we said it's full, sorry, no room on this tree, got no time, got no space. We actually have to be going out and telling the world there is plenty of room for you two to be grafted in. <sighs> Family's tricky, isn't it? Family is really tricky and sometimes we are, um, we look at the people, no, I was going to say look at the people next to us, don't do that. Um, we, we think about the people who are also grafted beside us and we go, oh, that's hard work. But family is family. <laughs> See, now you go. My son came home from school the other week and somehow he had been talking about stuff and he came home and he said, Mum, can we get that um, Ancestry.com? Because I want to look up our ancestors because one of the kids at school, he says that he looked it up and they've got Linda in their family tree and I want to know if we're cousins. And I'm like, well, I guess we could do that. You know, we'll, we'll look into it, which means no. We'll look into it. <laughs> we'll look into it. 
And then I said to him, but why? Why would you, why would you want to be cousins with this guy at school? You're friends. You hang out together all the time. And he goes, no, no, but if we were cousins, we would like do Christmas together. They would be at our house all the time. We would hang out all the time. And when we were old, we would still know each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really important. And that's important for us as a family here that we are grafted in together and God is grafted you in next to them, in next to them. And he actually says, yeah, and you need to be family. And family is hard, but we choose it. We choose to make it work. Uh, and of course, we are grafted in so that we might bear fruit. And, you know, there's, what, what does fruit look like for us? It looks like lots of things, but it's a lot about our inner characteristics of how we act, how we respond, the kinds of things that we do, the kind of people we are. And if we are grafted in to the most amazing rootstock, better than any you can ever imagine, um, then we will produce fruit. I, if it clicks, there we go. I guess just in thinking about this whole idea, we're spending quite a few weeks thinking about who do you think you are? And it's a question that I think everybody asks at some point. Who am I? What am I here for? What is this all about? Who am I really? Who am I becoming? All of those questions. What I would like for you to remember is the stories that we read about the people of Israel, God's beloved son, whom he said, let them go because I've got a plan for them and I love them. Those stories are your stories. Yes, you bring your normal stories from your everyday family life and your own heritage, but you bring them in and you put them together with God's stories. And these become our stories. So just because the lemon tree is grafted on to whatever the rootstock is, it doesn't stop it from being a lemon tree. You bring, you bring that identity with you, but it gets enhanced when you're grafted into God's tree. I've got a beautiful little uh, video that I want you to watch while I wrap up and, and while I ask God, um, what does he want us to do with this? So the band are going to play some music and I just want you to watch and enjoy. It's a beautiful image of us being grafted in to God's family Do I need to move this so that you guys can see? It's a beautiful image. I'm going to talk to God a little bit about this whole idea of being grafted in while you guys just watch and think on it and bring your own prayers to God. God, I thank you that you didn't just leave us alone in the world that you came after us and you grafted us in to your family and in your family we can find belonging and in your family we can find our identity and in your family we can take on those stories that we've heard about what you did for your people and know that you do those things for us because we are your people And when I think about my family going to court and walking out and saying to one another, well, they're ours now. God, I wonder whether Jesus came out of the tomb after having died for us. I wonder whether he walked out and said, well, they're ours now. Because we are yours. 
We are a part of your family. And we have all the access in the world to that ancient family that you've been on purpose building since the beginning of time. And I pray that you remind us daily that there's room on the tree, that when we are doing it tough, there's everything that we could want in terms of nutrient supply for us to grow. And I pray most of all that we will bear fruit, that we will be fruitful in our lives, fruitful in our character, fruitful in our interactions as family, fruitful in the way we share our faith in you and invite others to consider the gift of being grafted into your family. Amen.